It was just a one-panel comic stuck to a bulletin board. But I saw it over 15 years ago, and it's still rolling around in my head, spawning all sorts of reflections on the spiritual life. I'll tell you about it coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. We're here to help you in your inner life of following the Lord by offering some encouragement and inspiration through our fantastic spiritual directors. My name is Patrick Conley. Thanks for joining us. So this is back when my wife and I lived in England, and I was studying to become a vicar in the Anglican Communion. Our local congregation was a Church of England parish near our small flat. As I was in seminary at the time, I was trying to help out there as much as possible. One particular Sunday, I was in the vestry, what we would know as a sacristy, before the service began, and I noticed a one-panel comic strip. It was pinned up to the bulletin board. It was a pencil sketch of a woman who was sitting in a church pew in her Sunday clothes, and she had a broad smile across her face and closed eyes as if she was relishing some sort of poignant positive memory. And the caption revealed her inner thoughts. It read, I've sinned again. Now, on the one hand, I was dismayed. Believe me, I know the pleasure of sin. But I also know that a well-formed conscience won't let one stay for long relishing the fleeting pleasures that come with it. Well, this comic strip character seemed to be embodying the very opposite that although she saw church as a necessity, something brought her there, she really would rather live in the stimulating world of her sin, however temporary those pleasures be. But on the other hand, I took it as a reminder, a reminder that this mindset may very well be the mindset of many who come to our churches. They may see enduring a Sunday Mass as a duty or obligation, something that maybe builds character, but they harbor a notion that the fullness of life actually comes from engaging in precisely those things the church frowns upon. When coming back repeatedly mentally to this comic strip, not knowing who drew it or the intentions behind it, not knowing who pinned it up in the vestry or why, I've become convinced of one thing. It reveals that we so often sell reality short. We underestimate the truly devastating effects of sin And we vastly underestimate the altogether beautiful, all-consuming, life-giving, incalculably rich treasure of God's mercy. So today on the show, we're going to try to correct these underestimations and get a better picture of sin and the mercy of God, as well as exploring the effects of a proper view of these things, what effects they can have on your spiritual life today. Joining us as our spiritual director is Father Joseph Johnson. Father Joseph is the pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, part of the Archdiocese of St. Paul and Minneapolis. Father, good to be speaking with you again. Welcome back. Thank you, Patrick. Good to be with you. Well, let's jump right in, Father. Uh, we're now, talking. Did you pick this topic, Patrick, because you think I'm an expert on sin. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm afraid. Are you reading my soul? You say, you know. 
when you talk about sin, who's the who's the expert on sin? Father oh Joseph, yeah, he's for... a big sinner. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I appreciate the sentiment, Father, but believe me, I I don't relish the thought of having the gift of being able to read souls. I've got enough trouble with my own, so <laughs> so no soul reading going on here. But uh, presuming that uh, you uh, have some knowledge of the topic, I won't go into how personal that knowledge is, but uh, some academic knowledge of the topic. Let's start off with what is sin, Father? What is sin? Sin is a turning away from God. You know, I think that's what we need to to understand, that uh, it's something that, you know, you talked about reality. It's something contrary to reality of how God created the world God created us within it. Uh, there's a proper order to all of creation, and we are ordered towards God. And so sin is a turning away, a breaking of that order, uh, heading in a different direction away from God. And, and therefore, it's also contrary uh, to reason. It's contrary to the order of creation. Uh, so that's, you know, as opposed to what most people think, which is that sin is just breaking a rule. You know, it's, it's not a set of external rules imposed upon us. We were created in a certain way, and we were created for God. We were created in God's image and likeness. You know, and so uh, for us to, to live the reality of who we are, we need to be in a state of grace. We need to be in conformity to the reality of who we are, living up to being made in His image and likeness, living in friendship with Him. And so, you know, that's, that's the, the truth of it. Sin isn't just about what we do. It's about who we are. Mm-hmm. That's a good reminder. But then, I mean, the question that immediately jumps to mind for me, Father, is then why is it so darn tempting then? I mean, why, why are we so drawn to it if it's so contrary to our very nature? Mm, you know, and there, therein is a, is a couple of explanations. First, you know, St. Augustine himself talks about his conversion, and he said he plunged into the good things of this world, not realizing that they were reflections of the goodness of God. Mm. And sometimes that's what we do, is, is we embrace the goodness. We are not Puritans that say, oh, bad, all this stuff on earth, bad, 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 be miserable now, and, and then you'll get payday. No, we, we embrace the goodness of God's creation but it has to be in relationship to the creator and not a rival to the creator, not uh, turning aside from him saying, I want the good stuff that you give Lord, but I don't want you. Right. And so sometimes it's good things that tempt us, but in excess, not in the proper uh, harmony, proper proportion, you know, the proper relationship to God and, and to, to our needs and the like. And other times there is evil, but St. Thomas Aquinas reminds us no one chooses evil. They choose an apparent good, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's the thing. It's, I'm looking for something good, but evil disguises itself as good. No one chooses evil. They choose what they think is good. Or if you want to put it in a, in a more kind of down-to-earth way, we choose what we think is going to make us happy. Yeah. Right? But uh, you're, you're not, you know, 
if, if you're choosing something that you think is going to make you unhappy, first of all, most people won't choose it. Second of all, if you did, then it, it was twisted in a way that you think, I'm going to be happy if I choose what's making me unhappy. You know, there's some, something twisted in the logic there. We look for what's going to make us happy. Everyone in the world can agree on that, that I want what will make me happy. We just begin to disagree when we talk about what is it that will make you happy. And that's where divine revelation has come to our aid and shown us what makes us happy is love. Yeah. And, and love is enfleshed in Christ. Uh, and and the, the relationships that we have with one another are supposed to be filled with love. And that's why Christ says all the commandments can be summed up in the love of God and neighbor. They're not a bunch of extrinsic rules. It's just that's what love looks like. And if you want to be happy, you want to live in love with God, you want to live in love with your neighbor. That's what happiness is. Well, and, okay, so you're already, talk about reading souls, Father, you're already anticipating my next question, which is, I think sometimes we disagree about, or we don't, maybe, better way of putting it, we don't properly understand, what is happiness? When we're talking about happiness, because I think it's it's probably been the case for uh, as long as mankind has has existed, but particularly in this society, in this day and age in which we live now, there is a conflation of happiness with pleasure or with feeling good, um, and that's a problem, I think. It, it is. I mean, you know, uh, avoid pain, seek pleasure. Right. You know, there, there's nothing wrong as far as that goes, but you have to inform it with something deeper. Uh, you know, and and that's where where the type of happiness we're talking about is not just a sensual pleasure. Ask you know, any woman that has just had a baby, do you feel good you know, on the physical level? And they're going to say, no, I feel like a Mack truck just you know ran over me, right? And and yet, when that little baby is put in the mother's arms, you say, are you happy? She's going to say, yes. All of the physical pain has not gone away. So that's what we have to recognize, that joy and suffering can coexist. Yeah. Right? So I can be physically suffering and still have a real joy, a joy that outweighs the suffering. Hmm. And, and that we know that from our own poor human experience. We know that. You know, or even like uh, talk to, to parents who've lost a child. I mean, the grief is profound. And so you say, do you wish that this child had never been, you know, that this child had never existed? You wouldn't have this pain. And they say, get out of here. I, I, I cherish every moment I had with that child. Yeah. You know, and it's worth even the price of this pain. I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't have that child's life erased from, from my life just to save me this pain. I, every moment of that child's life is precious to me. Yeah. So you and I can just on the purely human level see how joy and suffering can coexist. And then that's what we have to understand is going on on the spiritual level. And that's why we can read the stories of the early martyrs and find that they hymns in the Colosseum as the lions came for them. You know, they were joyful to be going to the Lord. That didn't mean that crucifixion or, or being fed to the wild beasts didn't hurt. But there was a spiritual joy that outweighed the physical hurt. Hmm. And that's what you and I don't understand. Um, 
you know, when we talk about these things with people on a philosophical level, people are like, no, 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 no. You know, this Christians and your cross thing. No, 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 no. I just, I want, you know, smooth and easy. And of course, no one has ever in the history of humanity found a path through life that is smooth and easy. You know, mm-hmm. every life has pain. If you just made that your one principle, avoid pain, avoid pain, avoid pain, you're still not going to be able to do it because there's always ups and downs in life. That's the reality that we all experience. So the question is, how do we interpret those ups and downs and how do we direct ourselves in a way that is, is not negative and seeking pain, but is not uh, facetious or superficial in just avoiding it at all costs, but rather seeking what is beautiful, even if what is beautiful is costly, even if what is beautiful hurts. I want a beautiful, rich life, not simply a life of, of no pain. Our spiritual director today, Father Joseph Johnson, pastor of Holy Family Catholic Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota, talking about sin and the mercy of God, I'm focusing in on sin right now. Do you have questions about what sin is? Do you have a thought or a question about maybe a particular thing? Is this sinful or not? Um, or how might I better live in accordance with the will of God and turn away from sin? Give us a call. 888-914-9149 is our toll-free studio line sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. The number again is 888-914-9149. And as always, if you'd prefer, you can send us an email, innerlife@relevantradio.com. Well, let's talk about, uh, for a moment here, Father, original sin. Um, what is original sin and uh, how does that affect us today? Well, original sin, uh, you have to talk about original harmony as well. And, you know, before right. sin, there is a beautiful harmony, harmony in all of creation. And when Adam and Eve chose to break the one rule God gave them, right, uh, that, that all of a sudden it, it destro- destroys, it ruptures our friendship with God and, and throws all of creation out of order. And so, so all of the relationships in creation are distorted, which is why in the Old Testament, already speaking about the rest- restoration that will come in Christ, n- not yet realized, it, it's, we have the beginning of that restoration now, but the full restoration at the end of time talks about the lion laying down next to the lamb, right? That, that there's going to be, again, a restoration of all of the order of creation, we start with ourselves. Can I be restored to that order, that, that proper harmony in, in creation? And when we hear stories about people like St. Francis of Assisi, who, uh, you, know, you know, preached to the birds and, and had this way with nature, what I think, and again, this is my personal interpretation, is rather than just being some nifty gift that, that God gave him, it certainly is, but I think the gift was getting back to that, that, that harmony with nature, you know, that harmony of all of creation. The St. Francis was so much in harmony with love of God and harmony of love of neighbor that he began to experience a little bit of the harmony of the rest of creation as well. Uh, and, and so you and I, when we sin, it's so often the consequences of original sin, a thing called concupiscence. Uh, and that is that, that from Adam and Eve, 
we inherit not just this break from God, this alienation from God, uh, which is why we need baptism to, to restore us. Christ came and died to restore, to offer us that restoration of the friendship with God. But you and I, our, our, our will is wounded by sin. You know, now, Martin Luther said that original sin's consequences were so terrible that man is utterly depraved and incapable of good. We say no, no, that the man is, is deeply wounded by original sin. So we don't start out with a level playing field, all right? You and I, when we're born, we don't start out fresh. We start out in, with an inheritance of, of this weight that, that comes from this alienation from God. And so our, our desires sometimes tug us in the wrong direction. And, and that's why you and I can say, you know, why do I choose this, you know, rather than this simply always choosing what is good and holy? Some of that is, is because we have these tendencies towards sin that we've inherited, but we're not doomed to sin. We're not utterly depraved, as Luther would have it. We just need to work harder at it. And by work harder, I don't just mean my effort. I mean my efforts in cooperation with God's grace. Because we are capable of good. We are capable of merit, meritorious works, in cooperation with God's grace. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of the struggle that, that you're like, great, Adam and Eve. We're, we, we face an uphill climb the whole way because of you. And then you have to stop and say, hold on. If I was the one that was back there at the start, <laughs> right? you know, have I ever sinned? Yeah. Well, you know what? I probably would have made that same mistake. And so then everybody would be mad at me. So instead of being mad at Adam and Eve, let's just take the reality that's there and say, I, I want to cooperate with God's grace, even though it's an uphill climb here. Um, I know that what Christ has offered me is freedom from that burden of sin, and, and I, I choose that, and I, I, want to, I want God to transform me. All right. Very good. Having a great conversation thus far on sin, what it is, the nature of it. If you have questions about sin and its presence in your life or maybe specific things that are going through, going on in your life, and you would like to ask questions about their nature, give us a call. Join join in the conversation with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Johnson. Our number here on The Inner Life, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlife@relevantradio.com. Much more of the conversation right after the short break. We'll be right back. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash udallas. Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. Thanks for tuning in today. We're talking about sin and the mercy of God with our spiritual director, Father Joseph Johnson. Father, some uh, great conversation thus far in understanding sin and uh, some great, uh, maybe just fresh definitions that we need reminding of. So we're grateful for that. Um, 
I guess I wanted to get in somewhat to the effects of sin. We do want to save time to get talk about God's rich mercy, of course, but um, what are some of the effects that sin has in our lives as individuals and as communities? Well, I think that the first two that come to mind are sickness and death, mm-hmm. right? That that there was no sickness, there was no death before original sin. Uh, and if you look at the third chapter of, of Genesis, you'll find um, it speaks uh, about the, the consequences of original sin there, uh, where the, the Lord uh, curses the serpent, Satan, um, and talks about the enmity that will be there between the devil and, and us. Uh, but then to the woman, he says, they're the, the pains of childbirth uh, that will be there, and, and also speaks about lust, uh, speaks about how um, labor, you know, and this is an important thing, too, to not get up on a tangent, but, you know, labor has dignity to it. The Church says that constantly. Mm-hmm. And so labor is not a, a bad consequence, but toil the weariness, the burdensomeness of labor uh, is, is, is part of the consequences of original sin, and that the earth doesn't give its, yield its fruit as easily, uh, that it takes greater exertion and, and the sweat of our brow in order to produce the food that we eat. Uh, and, then, and then also, again, it, it talks about that death, for you are dust, to dust you will return. Um, so, so that's how Genesis kind of outlines the, those effects of sin. And we talked about before that, uh, that concupiscence that, that disorders our desires, that, that, that throws them uh, out of whack, so to speak, whether that's a desire for food or, or for sexuality or for money or, or whatever it is. There's, there are different forms that it, that it takes in our lives, but that our desires are disordered and detached from the goodness of the Creator. So even when we're looking at something good, it's not in relationship, proper relationship to the one who is good, who, who gave us that good thing. Right, right. Okay. Very good. More on that in just a moment. But let's, let's take a phone call. Father Dylan is calling in from right here in Wisconsin. Dylan, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. Hi. Um, suddenly enough, my question was a little bit about what was talked about. Um, I was uh, bringing, I was, you guys talked about St. Francis of Assisi. Um, and how his harmony with nature, and uh, a thought came to me uh, where I was uh, taught that um, nature was not uh, was not fallen uh, like man because nature actually never sinned, therefore it doesn't need a soul. Um, so the question that came to my mind was how how is it that uh, disease and uh, natural disasters and death came about um, uh, when nature is supposed to be still perfect, even though man had, uh, man was simple. Thank you, Dylan. That's a good insight that nature doesn't have a soul. Uh, But, so yeah, so nature, we can't say sinned, but we, we, we also, I think I'm on good ground here, can say that nature was affected by uh, original sin, that, that uh, I don't believe in the garden that there were uh, volcanic eruptions and earthquakes and tidal waves and, and things like that. Uh, and there certainly wasn't sickness or disease. So what we're dealing with is, how I like to explain it is, it's, you know, original sin was like setting off a nuclear bomb in your backyard, 
All right. You may be the one that set it off, but everything is going to, you know, bear the, the, the brunt of that explosion. Everything is going to be twisted and deformed and glow uh, for a very long time. You know, and so, so that's what we don't want to over-spiritualize sin. It does have consequences on the world around us. But if you want to think about it, you know, primarily in terms of relationship, our relationship with nature has changed. Um, you know, that, that all of those things, you can, you can focus on that. But there is a, a bigger picture uh, change that happens because of the original sin. That seems to follow in accordance with Romans chapter 8, where St. Paul is writing about creation, awaiting with eager expectation the revelation of the children of God. He goes on, he says, creation was made subject to fertility, not of its own accord, because of the one who subjected it. So there's that nuclear bomb in the backyard, right, Father? And right, right. creation itself would be set free from slavery to corruption and share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. So there seems to be something along there. So... Um, yeah, Dylan, good question, though. Thank you for that. Thank you for the, the insight that you've shared with us as well. Appreciate it. If well, you'd like to call. Yeah, go ahead, Father. And I was going to say on, on that, you know, while we're on talking about Romans, yeah. you know, St. Paul talks there about, about our desires, too, in this beautiful way. He says, you know, I don't know, you know, what's going on here because uh, what I want, I don't do, and what I don't want, I do, and, you know, all of this. You know, he talks about that, which is a great thing for, for those of us who struggle with sin. And, and maybe, you know, you'd like to, to remember the old thing we're taught as children. You know, you know, if you trick me once, shame on you. You trick me twice, shame on me. I should have learned from the first time, right? <laughs> uh, and so it's sort of like Charlie Brown with Lucy holding the football. Yep. You know, the first time Lucy tricked him and pulled the football away and he, he kicked thin air and fell... That's shame on Lucy. But the fact that every Peanuts cartoon I ever saw in my childhood, he keeps making that same old mistake. At a certain point, Charlie Brown should have learned from that, right? Well, that's us. You know, sin as an apparent good. Temptations, you know, uh, they're false advertising. You know, uh, it appears good. And then I sin and I realize, no, that wasn't good. And so then next time that temptation comes... I'm free, and I never am tempted. Uh-huh. Don't we wish? Why is it that, that we still get pulled back towards it? We should have learned the first time. Yeah, but the heart doesn't quite work that way. And that's part of that disorder, that concupiscence. And even Paul, this great apostle, talks about it, which is a great consolation to all of us who have ever committed the same sin more than once, right? Uh, that we didn't learn from the first time, maybe we didn't learn from the second time, we didn't learn from the hundredth time or the thousandth time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's it's St. Paul talking about this, you know, I why is it I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I do want to do, you know? So so that's that, 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 that conflict within us, and even the great apostle Paul felt that, which is, again, comforting to, to those of us uh, you know, uh, that are further down the, the hierarchy of, of holiness, that, that even the greats uh, had this struggle of a, we could call it a divided heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, wonderful. Thank you for that follow-up, Father. And Dylan, again, thank you for the phone call. 
Well, Father, um, I do want to get to the mercy, but um, one other, one further question in terms of the effects of sin. Of course, it disrupts, um, fractures our relationship with God who loves us, you know, and who is, as we say in the act of contrition, who is all good and deserving of all my love. And uh, so with that being the case, can you just outline for us quickly just the difference again between venial sin and mortal sin and the effects they have in our relationship with our Lord? Sure. Okay. So venial sins are things that are defects of love, right? They they wound our relationship with, with Christ. Uh, but even committing a hundred venial sins doesn't add up to alienation from Christ. Whereas a mortal sin, you know, when we talk about a mortal wound to the body, what does it do? It kills the person. The person was mortally wounded. That doesn't mean they need a doctor. That means they need an undertaker, right? Yeah. Uh you know, so a mortal sin kills the life of grace in the soul. It doesn't diminish the life of grace. It kills it. It breaks us off. We're ruptured from our union with God. And so we need to, to understand, you know, in order, you know, because sometimes people do get confused. Is what I'm talking about venial or mortal? And, and so we need to go through that, that it, it has, for something to be mortal, it has to be seriously wrong. Right? I have to know that it's seriously wrong, and I have to freely choose it. So those are the three kind of things that, that if one of those things is absent, even the thing itself might be seriously wrong, but I didn't know it or I didn't freely choose it, the sin itself, the action, is, is mortally sinful, but the culpability, the guilt, the responsibility that I have is diminished. Because one of those three things was missing, right? So that's where we have to talk about addiction. Addiction robs people's freedom, or at least it impairs it severely, right? And so the church says that a person who's addicted, actually, even though they're doing actions that in and of themselves would constitute mortal sin, that person's soul may not be guilty of mortal sin because they didn't have sufficient freedom. Hmm. You know, so now that's not to say, okay, then as long as I'm addicted, I, I'm, I get a free, you know, free blank check here to, to send. No, uh, but it's, it's recognizing the terrible toll that it's taken on freedom and how we need that healing in Christ to, for him to restore our freedom. Yeah. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, using that as a springboard and even going back to what you were saying before about St. Paul struggling with this, you know, for I do not do the good I want, but I do the evil I do not want, that sort of thing. You know, he wraps that up. This is in Romans chapter 7. Um, and he wraps that up by saying, miserable one that I am. You know, he has this whole reflection on why do I keep choosing the evil that I don't want to do? Um, he says, miserable one that I am, who will deliver me from this mortal body? And then he follows that up with, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So let's use that as a springboard, Father, into talking some about God's mercy. So we're in a state of sin. We have strayed from the Lord. We have turned away from him, as you've already defined sin as. And uh, we've, we've sinned against reason, against order, against all the goodness that God has given to us. Uh, so where does God step in? How does God address this with his mercy? Yeah, so what is mercy? Mercy is love that doesn't flinch in the sight of our ugliness. You know, that, that by sin we repudiate God's love, but he keeps loving us. And that's important, because sometimes people get, 
you know, I, I tell people sometimes, especially with repeated sin and, and, and all that, the great danger is discouragement. You know, oh, how could God still love me? Well, that's by his definition of who he is that he loves. And he doesn't love you because you're lovable. He freely chooses to love us. And he doesn't change his mind. His choice to love is not contingent on if I keep being a good little boy. He chooses once, and he stays by that choice. And when he chooses, he already sees the ugliness of all the sins of our entire lives. And he still chooses to love. So mercy is a love that is unconditional and that is infinite, that continues in its fidelity to loving, even when the beloved is unfaithful to loving in return and, and unfaithful to receiving that love. And so when St. Paul ends that whole anguished, you know, uh, you know, passage about that, that, that struggle within him, he, he say, ends it with thanks. Thanks be to God yeah. who delivers me in Christ, right? You and I, when we make these bad choices, when we do what we don't want to do, can we turn to gratitude? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Here I am, poor, weak sinner, and boy, I've fallen flat on my face again. Thank you, Jesus, that you still love me. Let's begin again. That's the proper response. That's the way of humble, confident trust. You know, you want to know the the little way of St. Therese, you know, there it is. I'm a poor, weak sinner, but God still loves me. Let's begin again. Whereas discouragement comes, sometimes it's the devil himself who whispers in our ear. You know, you really messed up. You, well, you might as well keep on sinning because you've got to go to confession anyway, right? Or he says, you messed up. You're never going to get past this. How many times have you tried to get past this? And you always fall. You're never going to be free. You might as well give up trying. You're doomed to failure, right? Um, that's a lie. Don't believe it. Or sometimes the voice says, I can't believe I did that. I'm so stupid. I should be better than this. I should be... That's not repentance. That's wounded pride. I'm not upset that I offended God. I've offended myself. I should be better than this. I shouldn't have to go to confession so soon again. I shouldn't have made that same stupid mistake. That's wounded pride, not repentance. You know what I say? Good. Let's wound it some more. We want to kill it. Pride has got to go. And sometimes the good Lord allows us to fall flat on our faces time and again because he wants us to learn humility and trust in his love. Those are big things. My individual sin usually pales in comparison to the basic building blocks that I need of humility and trust in God's mercy. So that's how God is going to bring good even out of my struggles. Even when I fail in my struggles, he's going to bring good. And I start with thanking him. The ugliness of my sin reveals the beauty of his love, which never, ever fails. And that's the antidote to temptation, to see the beauty of his love. Why would I want to forget about that love? Why would I want to turn away from that love, a love that never fails? Why would I want to go a different direction? It's going to be the joy and gratitude 
at being loved in such a beautiful way that woos our hearts away from the apparent goods and restores to us our friendship with Christ. Amen. The ugliness of my sin reveals the beauty of God's love that never fails. Great words from our spiritual director, Father Joseph Johnson. If you have questions about sin or about the mercy of God, if you are really, maybe you're tracking with what Father is saying here and you'd uh, like to call in and, and uh, yeah, respond, please do so. Our number here at The Inner Life is 888-914-9149. Let's squeeze in a phone call here before break. Peter is calling in from Gross Point, Michigan. Peter, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. You're welcome. You guys, I have this really great music here that I'm sitting on as I'm listening to you, and I'm going, a realization that what you're saying is music to my ears. Keep it up. It is so appreciated. God bless. Oh, thank you, Peter. God bless you. You know, and, and speaking of music, let me tell you, there's, a, there's an old, old hymn. Uh, I think it was an old baptism called Jesus' Blood Never Failed Me Yet. And there was a modern musician, a guy named Gavin Bryars, who took uh, that hymn and made an extended meditation on it. So if you are feeling down the dumps and you, you, you don't even know where to begin to start thinking through your, 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 your sins and, and you're beating yourself up and all that, you could go onto YouTube and, and look up Jesus' Blood Never Failed Me Yet by Gavin Bryars and just close your eyes and let that repeat and wash over you and remind you of, of the infinite mercy of God uh, that is greater than all of our sins. Mm. All right. Well, there's a prescription for you. Very good. Yeah, I appreciate the phone call, Peter, and for the encouragement. Thank you, Peter. We've got so many generous listeners here at the Inner Life and to Relevant Radio in general, and we are so grateful for you being part of the Relevant Radio family. Thank you for doing that. We're speaking today on the Inner Life about sin and the mercy of God. We've uh, really starting to focus in on God's great mercy that never fails us, and we are so grateful for that, hopefully conjuring feelings of gratitude within you, even as you are listening. If you'd like to get in on the conversation, our number here is 888-914-9149. Again, 888 Right after this. Thanks to our sponsor, the University of Dallas, the Catholic University for Independent Thinkers. UD's rigorous liberal arts education forms the mind and nourishes the soul to produce graduates who renew our culture. Find out more and access a free guide on choosing a college at relevantradio.com slash UDallas. Jesus blood never failed me yet. Never failed. Jesus' blood never failed me yet. This one thing. Now, there it is. Welcome back to the inner life. Father Joseph Johnson, our spiritual director, was just talking about this song as a great way of reminding ourselves that Jesus' mercy, the love of the Lord, the mercy of the Lord never fails us. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, who pulled that song up right away to play on our rejoin there. And uh, he's our producer today. And. Thomas Angusser is taking your phone calls as well. And just a reminder quick that we are uh, headed to the Eucharistic Congress this July there in Indianapolis. Relevant Radio is going to be there. Love to love to meet you. So why not join us there? Show up for Jesus to, with, together with us. Check out our travel packages by Nativity Pilgrimage that are available at relevantradio.com slash encounter. Again, relevantradio.com slash encounter. Well, Father, one of the things as you were 
doing this great uh, exposition on the mercy of God, one of the things that uh, really pops into my mind is that so oftentimes, I think, well, I'm certainly guilty of this, and I think others are as well, of kind of having a, a warped image of God and his love. Um, you know, I find myself in my sin, and this may well be playing right into what you were saying before of wounded pride, but I, I tend to be tempted to look at God as kind of this uh, taskmaster or this um, this stoic, uh, distant father who, you know, he's not he's not responding to me until I come crawling back to him, and that can that can cause a lot of damage, I would think. Um, so, what would you say in the face of anybody who might be wrestling with something like that? Well, I, I say all of us human fathers who are imperfect, right? So, whenever we hear about God the Father, subconsciously. We, we bring to that some of our own baggage about our relationship with our earthly father, right? Uh, and so we, we need to purify the, the image of God the Father, that, that our earthly fathers are supposed to reflect his love for us, and they do so imperfectly. But God the Father is not a reflection of our fa- earthly father's imperfections, right? So, so that's where we need to kind of have that purification and to, to understand that he's not the commanding general just ordering us into battle and doesn't care about us and, you know, whatever. He's not the taskmaster in the sky. Uh, but, you know, what we can know from our own poor human loves, you know, like, in, and, and Jesus even said that when he talks about prayer. You know, if, if you who are evil wouldn't give your child a, a, something bad if they ask for something good, right? How much more? your heavenly father, right? So what God's will is, is not some terrible ordeal, go suffer, right? And that's why I, I kind of don't like it when, when, when people speak in a spiritual language that, that is common in traditional circles. Well, that's the cross God gave you. Mm. I, I prefer to talk about the cross God permits you to have. The cross that God is going to then use to, to bring good out, out of that, that struggle, that pain, but not that God's up there zapping you, you know? Yep, I think that one's had too much happiness, let's zap them with a cross, right? No, no. Uh, just like we know that the, the you look at, for those of you who are parents, you look at your children and you, and you go, you wouldn't want any harm to come to them whatsoever. God, the Father, looks at us and he doesn't want any harm to come to us. He doesn't want us to suffer. You know, now sometimes with our children, you tell them, you know, we need to do an operation and the operation is going to hurt, but so that you'll be well, right? And so God permits things in our lives because they're going to be transformative. They're, they're the path towards a deeper healing. Uh, and so we have to always have that trust that, that his, because he loves us and our sins prove that love, Right. You know, so confession doesn't just wipe away our sins. It should be seen as an invitation to a deeper trust. If God sees me at my worst and still he loves me, why do I think his love would fail me at some other point? He loves me at my worst, but when he's choosing a direction for my life, he's going to choose something terrible for me. (laughs) No, that doesn't make sense. That's illogical. That's inconsistent. So we need to purify the image of God, the Father, and of God's will, uh, that it's an, it's an invitation to to uh, a transformation in love, mm-hmm. and so that's that's how we have to see God the Father, and then 
Pope St. John Paul II, for those, maybe someone in our listening audience was actually at World Youth Day in Toronto, but he ended his beautiful homily there by saying, we are not the sum of our weaknesses and failures. We are the sum of the Father's love for us and our real capacity to become the image of his Son. Hmm. I, I, he nailed it, you know, as, as the saints can yeah. sometimes do, just one sentence. You and I <laughs> yeah. often measure ourselves by our failures. Well, I screwed up again. You know, we, me- we measure by what's gone wrong. And, and we're not, or, or sometimes we make the mistake of measuring what I, what I am doing right. Because even what I'm doing right isn't a full measure of who I am. Mm-hmm. And it could lead to pride, which undermines all the good that's there. It's the Father's love for us that's the proper measure of who we are. And with the Father's love, he gives us that real capacity to become the image of his Son. So unlike Martin Luther, who's talking about our utter depraved, you know, you can't, you can't, what I think, we're talking about wounded, but still with a real capacity to live up to being made in the image and likeness of his Son. All right. Very good. Well, Father, let's see if we can get a couple more uh, listeners in on the conversation here, too. We've got uh, an email that came in from Catherine, and she writes this. She says, Father, I'm in my 60s, retired, and typically spend most of my days at home. In all honesty, I struggle to identify what constitutes sin in my everyday life. Although I do offer to help others when I'm able, do I sin by not giving more of my time? Do I sin by not attending daily Mass? Is it sinful that I spend much of my time and energy attending medical appointments and focusing on my own health? These are just a few of the examples of the questions I have when preparing for confession. That's from Catherine. Excellent. Excellent. Very perceptive, Catherine. So first of all, be a good steward of your body. God gave it to you, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a dignity to your body. So yeah, do go to the doctor. And for those of you that never go to the doctor, go to the doctor. Be a good steward, right? <laughs> right. Uh, we need to do that. Uh, now, with regard to, you know, what do I do to fill my time? If, if you simply sit and watch TV all day, then that's inordinate, right? And doesn't even, you know, even if it's good, if you're watching Jeopardy reruns all day long, right? Uh, you know, there's still a, an inordinate amount of time given to it. So recreation, absolutely. Rest, absolutely. But in a proper proportion to other things. And if your health doesn't let you do things like, okay, now that I'm free from work, I'm retired, I'm going to go help with the soup kitchen, or I'm going to tutor children after school, or, you know, do what other things. If, I, if my health doesn't allow me to do those things, I can always pray even from home. Now, if I'm able to get out of the home, there is nothing as great as daily mass, because it's Jesus himself who is there. Jesus himself, who, who not only is there, but wants to fill you, to come into your life in Holy Communion. So if there's any way possible, and I say this, we're less than a month away from Lent. Folks, there is nothing better. Jesus would prefer you go to daily Mass than that you give up chocolate. You know, Uh, there's nothing greater. All of us should experience this deep hunger for Jesus in the Eucharist. Uh, And so, yes, we should have lives of prayer. We should have spiritual reading, you know, let the masters teach us about the spiritual life. And, and then some things will come to, to mind that like, Oh yeah, I'm not like that. Okay. There is something there that I need to adjust. There's something there I need to repent of, you know? So by, by learning more about our faith, 
by reading the scriptures, by going to Mass, light begins to shine into the corners of my heart in a, in a more profound way. and helps me to identify the things that still are not Christ-like, that still need to be transfigured, transformed to be Christ-like. Hmm. Catherine, thank you for the email. And uh, maybe on the other side of that same coin, Father, and uh, just to kind of give you a little uh, freedom here to, to uh, well, just to expound upon, again, the great mercy of God. I'm sure that there are others, too, who just think, you know what? There's no way. There's no way that I've, I've sinned. I've done so much. There's no way that God will forgive me for this. Um, and they're just really despairing of the God's of God's mercy because of the, the what they perceive as the greatness of their sin. And uh, maybe they're even staying away from the sacrament of confession. What might you say to them? Come back. Come home. Jesus wants to forgive you more than you want to be forgiven. Think of the, 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 the good shepherd that leaves the 99 and goes after the one lost sheep and says, there's more joy in heaven over the one lost sheep than over the 99 that weren't lost. So that, and that's sometimes what I say to penitents that come to me that say, it's been 30, 40 years since my last confession or whatever. I'm saying, I want you to know that right now in heaven, all the angels and saints are rejoicing because of you, because you've come back. So that's what we need to, to realize. Um, don't, let, don't let the lies of the devil, don't let your wounded pride, don't let discouragement or despair keep you away from the mercy. God saw all of your sins and still loved you into life, right? And don't insult him by saying that he did a bad job. He thinks he created you as a masterpiece. We look in the mirror and go, this is no masterpiece. He's not done with you yet. So, so we're works in progress. But the people say, oh, I'm no saint. I'm like, well, you know, folks, the saints is anybody in heaven, and that's where we want to land. So, so don't excuse yourself from becoming a saint. But it's his grace and our cooperation. And, but don't ever insult him and say, I can't be a saint. I, every single one of us is destined and equipped God wouldn't call us to something that didn't give us the resources to achieve. Spiritual greatness. That's our call. That's our mission. That's our identity made in the image and likeness of Christ. No sin that is uh, untouched by his mercy, that can't be conquered by his great love and mercy for us. Father, this has been a fascinating conversation, as always, very inspirational as we contemplate. Again, as you pointed out, less than a month away from Lent now, and uh, as you've pointed out, uh, that we always are turning back to God. We always are invited and able to come back to his great mercy that flows to us because of what Christ has done for us, specifically on the cross. Grateful for the conversation, Father. As always, we like to close the show with a blessing. May I ask you to do that now for us, please? May the God who is rich in mercy send his peace and healing grace into the hearts and minds of all of our listeners. May God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Know somebody in your life who needs to hear this, who needs to know that God's mercy will conquer all the sin, um, that they're always welcome to come back to the Father's house. In fact, the Father is longing for them to come back. 
Well, head on over to relevantradio.com slash inner life and share this program with them so that they can hear some of these wonderful and wise words as well. Coming up next is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Hope you can stay tuned for that. Our celebrant today is Father Matthew Seminar. Tomorrow on the program, the call of the laity. What does it mean for lay brothers and sisters to live out their calling in the midst of the church with our spiritual director, Father Mike Martin? Hope you can join us then. Until then, grace and peace.